Hello, everyone. Welcome to Commercial Real Estate Bosses, where we interview badass investors who are crushing it in the commercial real estate space. I'm your host, Sierra Hoffman. And on today's call, we have Kyla Hashmi of Keystream Capital. So Kyla, thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. Awesome. And now, as usual, I always like to start off by knowing more about your story. So tell us your background. What did you do before and how did you get into commercial real estate? Sure. Let's go back to my college days. I decided to go into journalism, which was my passion growing up. I was a TV news anchor for 10 years. And it's actually how I met my husband. He was a physician and we were doing a breast cancer awareness month interview and Mm -hmm. met him. We got married and he is still an active physician, but he's also my partner in real estate. So after we got married, we decided journalism just wasn't right for our family. The hours were super long. I didn't have any control over when I was going in. I was always on call, <laughs> similar situation. <laughs> yeah. And we decided I would really like to stay at home. Family was super important to me and I wanted to be able to control my time. So I started looking into different options and real estate investing just kept coming up. Of course, I was thinking more on the active side So I went to a bunch of meetups and I found a builder and we ended up doing build to rent single family homes where we built them with a builder and then we rented them out to tenants. And that was wildly successful for a couple of years. And then we noticed that other people were really getting into it and we had to pivot our strategy. We went to their homes, started doing renovations, still in the single family space. I got my real estate license primarily just for our investment purposes. We started a property management company, again, on our investments. And then we realized, okay, if we really want to scale this, multifamily would probably be a good spot. It was a little scary at first, but we did find a 12 unit. And this was a D-class property. There are a lot of mistakes made, but we learned so much and we grew and we actually just sold that property this July for a huge profit and it was a great learning experience. Probably something I wouldn't do again, but it was (laughs) a great learning experience. So after we did that 12 unit, we really started to think about how we could keep scaling. And at this point, my husband's friends who are all physicians and our friends are mostly high net worth individuals, lawyers, accountants, physicians. And they were asking us, how do they get involved? And we really didn't know how to get them involved. We were just kind of single family folks and we'd gotten into the multifamily world. And suddenly I found syndication and I educated myself on syndication for about a year and a half before I was even ready to tell people about it. I really worked on the underwriting, the acquisition, capital raising. I really took that time to make sure that I knew about it. And I also invested passively in some deals so that I knew firsthand what a syndication was. And then in 2020, we did our first syndication as lead sponsors. And since then we have 800 doors that were invested in. Awesome. Yeah, that's an amazing story. And it's crazy how your first multifamily was a D-class property. Most people don't even want to touch those. So is that something like that you completely avoid now as far as D-class goes? We love the value add space. We love bringing value to apartments. However, we've shifted more to the B-class 90s and newer properties so that we can really focus on adding value in those. 
Amazing. I love your story and going from journalism to full-time real estate investor, it's not easy. So how long did that transition take before you really felt comfortable that, hey, I can be a full-time real estate investor and not have to worry about being able to provide for my family? Sure. It started in 2013 when my son was born. It gave me the lit the fire under my belly to go and look for some opportunities I could find cash flow and help contribute financially to my family. But it was definitely stages and it took me a while to get comfortable. I feel very strongly about education and making sure that I have all my ducks in a row and I know what I'm going into. So I'm a little bit more conservative in my approach. And that's why I did take about probably three years before I really felt good enough to take people's money and invest it because that's a huge responsibility. And these are usually friends, family, people that I get to know, and I want to help them create that generational wealth. I want to protect their money, preserve that capital. That's really important to me. So it, it did take a while. Absolutely. So I, it did take a while, but of course, number one, it was worth it. And yeah. number two, all that time spent, it just prepares you that much more. So you feel comfortable once you do get into that investment. And I love your patience with it because some people are so rushed to get into their first deal. And if it doesn't happen after six months, they oftentimes will give up. It does take time and people should know that it's a long-term game. It's not a get rich quick model. Yeah, definitely a marathon, not a sprint. So you've got 800 doors. Tell us about where are these properties located and what did you like about the markets that you invested in? We were originally from Texas. We recently moved to South Carolina, but most of our properties are in Texas. We like to stay local at first, just so that we could be the boots on the ground, especially when you're taking investors' money. You want to be able to see that asset and manage it, particularly in the first one. So we did our first syndication right in our hometown, somewhere we knew very well and had 20 doors, single family already. I was a realtor there property manager. So I felt very confident in my abilities in that one. So a lot of our properties are in Texas. And then we have some in Arizona and Florida. And more recently, I acquired some properties here in South Carolina. Nice. And what made you want to move to South Carolina? So my husband's job. My husband loves medicine. He loves saving people's <laughs> lives. And he's very passionate about it. And this opportunity came forward. It's closer to my family who live on the East Coast, and we just had to say yes. And fortunately, this is a fantastic market for real estate. So we could yeah. still do our real estate in other areas as well as grow here in the Southeast. Yeah, and that's the beauty of this business model as well, is we don't have to be living right next to our multifamily properties. We can visit them every once in a while and have property managers on site to take care of that for us so that we can invest in whatever state we want to invest in. You got to invest where it makes sense. Absolutely. Now, as far as your primary strength in the business, people usually focus on one area, whether it's investor relations or underwriting, broker relations. What is your primary role in the business? And did that change for you over time? Absolutely. I was going to go there because it certainly did change over time. I started with underwriting. I was told that was really where I needed to go first. So I spent a year learning different models from different mentors, and I really honed in on getting those numbers 
feeling confident in those numbers and being able to explain them to people, knowing the nuances of it all. So I really focused on that at first. Then I worked on the broker relationships because I realized I wasn't going to get very far unless I learned the lingo, the vocabulary, and made the, cultivated those relationships with brokers. So I worked on that. And then I realized well, I'm going to need the money as well. So I better learn how to <laughs> capital raise. So at each stage, yeah. I'm really meeting new people and finding new strengths and jobs. And then once I realized that, I went back to my roots of property management, asset management, and really honed in on that. I feel like this year, it's the year of the asset manager. Our, our whole portfolio is being challenged on a daily basis. And it really requires attention, boots on the ground, just really going over those financials on a regular basis and just getting on the asset management. That's going to be my focus this year. I love that. I love how you were able to transition and learn multiple roles in the business. Now, as far as this multifamily is concerned, usually we have to work with a team, right? To fill all these multiple roles because when you have a hundred unit building, it's really hard to do everything yourself. So what kind of relationships did you have to build and how were you able to create those teams that you needed in order to get these deals across the finish line? I think it started all with education, going to these meetup groups, being part of mentorship programs, also being part of mastermind groups. You start to get to know people and get to know their values and where they want to go in their businesses and see who's aligned with you because that's critical to choose the right partners. And you start to get a sense when you meet them in person. So that's really where a lot of my relationships have developed. Love it. Now, when you first made that transition in doing syndications, did you have a mentor? Did you have someone to guide you through the process? Or it did take you some time. Were you very diligent in just self-study? So we started off, my husband and I, in self-study. And then we realized to take it to the next level, we need to pay for mentorship. So we did join several groups. And at that point, we... Each group has their own focus, has their own specialty. And so we got all of that information and networked with all of those different people. And so to have those people on our team is just critical as we're moving forward. I love that. And you did mention that you studied several different underwriting models, which I think is unique. Some people, they just find one model. They, that's the model that they know, and they don't really learn other ways of underwriting. So how has that strategy of learning all these different types of underwriting? How's that affected the way you look at deals today? It gives me a lot more tools to use. It's definitely helpful in approaching deals because a lot of times you have to be creative. Certainly we want to stay conservative in our underwriting, but we do need to be a bit creative in figuring out what levers can we pull and push in order to make a deal work and still be very conservative in our underwriting. Because my investor base typically is risk averse. They don't want to take any risks and neither do I. I'm all about capital preservation and particularly tax benefits as well. That's our investor really cares about those things. So we make sure that we give them lots of bonus depreciation and the cost segregation studies we do every time. But that underwriting gives me the confidence to, to present these deals to them and know that I can follow through with the asset management as well. There's so many great different models out there. And in the end, it's all about the numbers. 
Love it. And you mentioned earlier that you're transitioning right now into really focusing in on asset management and the challenges of this current environment. So can you speak more into that? What is What kind of challenges are you experiencing and how has your investment strategy changed in this current environment? Sure. I believe that this is the year of asset management because we really need to focus in on occupancy and keeping those expenses down. It's so easy, especially in the value add space, to let those expenses creep up. And I don't think anybody was predicting this huge interest rate hike. And so now we have to deal with these circumstances on the ground and we still have to make money for our investors, make it a nice, clean, safe place for these tenants to live. So I have all of these different responsibilities, all these different hats that I'm wearing, and I'm just trying to make sure that I keep that occupancy up by renewing as many of my tenants as I can and making sure that I check their income as well on these renewals. I think a lot of people don't do that at this point, but that's something that we believe strongly in because we want people to succeed. We want our tenants to succeed. So we want to make sure that they are able to pay those bills. And we're also keeping those expenses down by bringing things in-house, for example. We've hired different property management groups that we have. We've hired in some of these trades to keep it more affordable so that we can still do all of the repairs that are necessary, but just at a more affordable rate. Got it. And are you seeing or do you feel that right now we're not able to push rents up as high as we previously have been and so that's why with occupancy maybe you're not doing the same increases that we have been doing in the last few years exactly yeah we were able to push quite a bit up into this recession and now that we're seeing our tenants um face more challenges economically. We're being cognizant of that and we're not pushing it as high as we used to. And that's why we're really trying to keep those expenses down so that we can keep the NOI, the net operating income, as high as possible to keep that valuation high of the building. Awesome. Now I want to switch gears a little bit here and do a walkthrough of one of your deals. So it could be maybe your first deal or maybe a deal that was more difficult than others. Give us the breakdown of how you found it, what you liked about it, what didn't work with that property, and just give us the backstory on it. Sure. I think the first one we'll do is the one then my very first syndication. This came to me from a fellow realtor and he presented it. It was a 26 unit, a very small, manageable, which is what we wanted for our first one. It was in our hometown and we knew this area so well because we have other single families in the area. And I felt confident that we could deliver on this one. So we ended up putting it under contract, doing the due diligence, and we were trying to get it done before the end of the year. And we did it just on December 30th. We got it across the finish line. It felt so good because we were able to give those tax benefits to our investors who who really needed those as well. That's something that was very attractive to them about this project. 100% bonus depreciation is, is something that they can use against their passive income. So they were thrilled to be able to get that across the finish line before the end of the year. And we've been managing it since. We've certainly had our struggles with it. We did have some unexpected CapEx that was painful. $20,000 in plumbing bills that we wow. did not expect. And that goes to the lesson of make sure you have cash reserves. Fortunately, 
We knew that from that 12 unit that I was telling you about in the beginning that I personally bought with my own capital, that D-class building that just ate up capital nonstop. (laughs) It took a lot of capital to keep that thing running. Mm -hmm. So when we went into the syndication, we made sure that we had the proper cash reserves. And I'm really glad we did that. Absolutely. I think that's an important lesson that you want to raise more than you need to get the deal done so you can have that. And as far as that goes, how much do you think is a comfortable amount for someone to have as that reserve? I think it depends on the property size and the age of the property. Being in the B and C class building space, I typically like to have a million dollars in reserves, but that's a lot. And I know that sounds like a huge number to a lot of people, but it gives you peace of mind at night to have that kind of reserve. Absolutely. Now tell us about what you're working on right now and what's next for you and your team. Sure. We're Right now, we're really focusing on the asset management of the properties that we do have. We understand that there's going to be some value-add opportunities coming up in the future. We're seeing some distress among people who are in in this space. And so we're also getting ready to be in acquisition mode. That's something that we plan to do this year. We plan to acquire, particularly in the Southeast where we are now, we still have great boots on the ground team in Texas and in Arizona. So we'll be looking there as well. We love those markets and Florida. (laughs) So, you know, we'll be in acquisition mode, but right now my focus is just making sure that these properties run smoothly and that I can deliver to our investors. Got it. Thank you. And just speaking into that, do you feel that we're going to see a lot more deals, good deals coming our way this year, given just what we're seeing as far as interest rates go and how that's affecting the market right now? It's hard to make those numbers work on these new deals because I think seller expectations haven't quite met. They're not matching up with the buyer expectations. So while I am underwriting deals on a weekly basis, none of them are making sense at this point. (laughs) I'm still way off from where the seller wants to be. So I'm just going to be patient. I'm not going to push anything. I am in a fortunate position with my husband where we don't live off of this money. This is more for the tax benefits as well as for the appreciation Mm -hmm. down the road. And that's really who our investor is as well. So this isn't something that necessarily has to cash flow today because we do get all of these other benefits from the family real estate. Perfect. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Kyla. Where is the best place for people to find you online if they want to learn more about you? Sure. I have a company called Keystream Capital, and we've been working hard on producing content for our investors. I have an educational blog there. I do have a YouTube channel and an Instagram that I'd love for people to check out. And you can reach out anytime and be part of our investor club. It's free and you get to find out about our deals. All right. Thank you. And I'll make sure to include a link to that in the show notes below. Thanks everybody for tuning in today. If you guys enjoyed today's show, please write us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Every review helps us to be able to reach more and more people looking to get involved in commercial real estate. Today's show was sponsored by Synergy Capital Investments. To download your free multifamily investment guide for beginners or to schedule a call to learn about our upcoming investment projects, go to thrivewithsynergy.com. That's thrivewithsynergy.com or click on the link below.